Merle and Sue are on the executive leadership team of One Focus Network. This is uh, the network of churches that ECF is a part of. This is a network of leaders and churches that we didn't know we desperately needed until we knew we needed them. Um, So we're just thankful for them. We're thankful for the network. We're thankful for these two in particular. They're an awful lot of fun. They're very, very safe in that you can just be you and um, play board games and get crazy, and it's all good. And they love Jesus most of all. They love the Lord, and um, they serve humbly. They serve out loud, but humbly, right? They, they, they're out in front, and they're serving, but they do it humbly, and they do it with a lot of love. So thanks for coming, guys. Thank you for that warm introduction and greeting. So on behalf of your sister church, Grace Covenant Church, that you may not know you have in Harrisonburg, Virginia, we bring our welcome and greetings. Uh, They worship at night. We worship at nine, you at 10, and then we have another service at 11. So we got the morning covered between our two churches. So greetings on behalf of Grace Covenant Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and also I bring greetings on behalf of the One Focus Network that you are a part of. And the One Focus Network is about 20 churches sprinkled around Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, and then we have three in California. And maybe someday we'll fill in everything in between, you know, Lord willing. So... um, And the one focus is to have strong, healthy, life-giving local churches like this one. So that's our focus is the local church. And we want to reproduce church plant, life-giving, strong churches. So that's one focus. So I bring greetings. And uh, my wife of 33 years uh, has a word for you. First, I have to say, I was born and raised on Long Island, so the further north I get, I'm like, I am with my people. I'm just, I'm just ready to hear someone talk like this because I'm like, I used to talk like this. But you all are very welcoming church. Um, it's great to be here. I first of all want to honor your pastors, Jason and Liz. I have loved getting to know them. Like, I, I know Liz a little bit better than Jason, and I love her because she's real. Like... But as you all were standing up here earlier in the service, the word that immediately dropped into my spirit was wholehearted. And you have a pastoral couple who is wholehearted. Colossians 3.23 talks about um, whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly. And this is a couple that exemplifies that. And do you know what comes with wholeheartedness sometimes is, is exhaustion, but you don't ever have to guess that this couple is just like, oh, yeah, the church, forgot about that, even though they're very busy raising many, many children. They're also raising spiritual children in this house, and I really want to honor you guys for that, being a wholehearted couple. Um, I also felt like we were, we were singing that the very first song, um, you pick me up, you turn me around, and where it says... Because he healed my heart, he changed my name. And I sense that there are ones of us in here today that the Lord wants to do a name change in you. Our daughter, we have three sons, and then we're blessed with a daughter. And um, about almost eight weeks ago, she got married. 
So it was double whammy. It was like the youngest and the only girl. There's a lot of crying on our part. You know, um, happy, happy tears. But some was a little bit like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is pretty emotional. She had a name change. And you know why? It's because her heart changed towards this young man that she met casually at some point. And over time, her heart changed. And thus, eventually, her name changed. And I sense there are ones here today that God wants to do a name change in you. You've believed a name, failure condemned, less than, living in the shadow of. And that is not the name God has for you. And he wants to do a name change for you, but he has to heal your heart. He has to change your heart so that you can believe the name change and take the name change. So can I just briefly pray for... If that's you, you don't have to raise your hands. You can just sit and receive. So, Father, I thank you that you are God of the new. Lord, that you call us into new things and to new places, and you give us new names. And so where the enemy, if there's anyone in this room where the enemy has caused them to be stuck in a name that is not their name, that is not a name of truth and who they are in you, Father, I pray release from that in the name of Jesus. I pray that all over this room you would do heart changes that would be followed by name changes. And I pray that that work would start today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So things that the One Focus Network does, we do an annual conference that's an equipping kind of conference. Uh, Jason and Liz, bring more of your team, not just Andy and Sydney. Bring more of your team the next time. We want to meet all of you there. So we do annual conferences to equip. One Focus also does retreats uh, for the pastoral teams, and uh, those are also equipping, but they're really refreshing. And that's the context where Sue and I met Jason and Liz and got to know them was at a retreat at the beach in the middle of COVID zaniness. And, um, and they are a lot of fun. So uh, they, they live for the Lord wholeheartedly, and they play wholeheartedly, and we love that about them. So have I taken up enough of your preaching time yet? What are we, how are we doing? All right, here we go. So the last time we got to see uh, Pastor Merle and Sue was at the One Focus Marriage Conference, and that was fun. Uh, I don't know if I told you guys, I think we had shared a little bit, it was kind of funny because you go to a marriage conference, and my expectation was like, this is going to be great, like this is going to be so much fun, and it's down at the beach, and we're going to just relax by the beach. Well, the marriage conference was not intended only just to have fun, but it was to dig in deep and to get into issues and to actually strengthen our marriage. And sometimes strengthening the marriage, some things need to break. And so it was just like, man, that was a tough couple days. But it was great because however we were positioned, we were sitting in front of you. When we did the breakouts, it was Liz and I and Merle and Sue got to just share with each other. So we know more about each other today than we did a year ago, and I hope that continues. And so thank you guys uh, for coming. All right, we're going to pray over our tithes and offerings, and we can get started into the message. Uh, The verse I have this morning, uh, well, first of all, did anybody see some flags in the parking lot over there? 
Yes, there's a basketball hoop going up. We're putting up a permanent basketball hoop that's adjustable, so we're excited that there are going to be kids playing out there. It's really going to be open to the neighborhood as well just to draw people in, uh, so really excited about that going on. So that's a, a praise report for us. Uh, Romans three twenty three. I don't think I've ever used this as a tithe and offering scripture before. Have I? I don't think so. This will be a first. I'm trying to do everything out of Romans, like I told you, because we're reading in Romans. So Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And the reason why I chose this is because, guess what? Every one of us was a sinner. Every one of us is a sinner and needs the grace of God. And the goal of our church is to make disciples, straightforward, very simply. And this is the first step in making a disciple. And once we have taken that first step, our heart is changed, our name gets changed, and all we want to do is give to his kingdom, amen? Of our time, of our efforts, of our finances, all the things that we have to offer, all the talents that we have, we want to just give because of how good he is. Because I was on a destination going to a place where I didn't want to go. And every one of us was until Jesus came into our hearts. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for every gift, every giver this morning. Father, we just pray a special blessing over Merle and Sue, Lord. We just thank you that uh, they are part of the spiritual apostolic covering over this church. Father, I thank you that you've imparted to them wisdom and knowledge, Father God direction and guidance and care. Lord, thank you for their pastoral hearts to pastor other pastors, Lord. And so, Father, we just pray a blessing on them. We pray a blessing over this church and over this message, Lord, that our eyes would be open, that our ears would hear what you have to say to us today. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. As Pastor Liz said, we gave a homework assignment last last Sunday, and it was to read the first three chapters of Romans, which means this week your homework is chapters 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, and I will be picking a scripture out of there to preach from next week, and part of the homework was a test to see who could pick the scripture that I was going to read from, that I was going to preach from, and as you were spending time, did anybody, as you read Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, be like, that's the one? Anybody? You have it highlighted. Okay. I'm raising my hand because that's the one that jumped out at me, which means it's the one I'm going to share on uh, this morning. But we're reading through the book of Romans in our Bible reading plan. And the purpose of doing this, we haven't done a whole lot of series on books of the Bible. This is going to be a short one. It's only going to be four weeks. Uh, But the purpose is, one, to read along with us. Two, to look at the scripture and ask the Lord to show you what it is that he has for you. Because we all could read Romans chapter 1, and the Lord could speak something differently to each and every one of us. Every one of us can get something different out of Romans chapter 1. So I encourage you weekly, just being spending time with the Lord, opening up that Bible. And many times, if you can only read just one scripture, and it just pops out at you, and the Lord says, stop. And you just meditate on that for the rest of the day, then that's what he wants you to go do. And then so we just go do that, because we want to be obedient to what the Lord has. So I'm going to read the title of my message this morning. Now we're in a faith church, amen? Can I get an amen to that? We know a lot about faith, but today 
I want to talk about how to live by faith. What does that look like? What does that mean? How do we walk that out in our day-to-day lives? What is it that, what examples can we glean from and learn from, both in the Bible and then in, in, I'll share some of my personal examples in my own life. How does that work? What does that look like? So I'm going to start in Romans 1. I'm going to read verse 16, and I'm going to stop for a minute, and we'll go to 17. It says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. How many of you are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ? And it's interesting. The reason why we're not ashamed of it is the very next sentence. For it is the power of God to salvation. Why are we not ashamed? Because there is legitimate, legit power. There is power in that decision. There is power in that salvation. There is power in the gospel message. There is power in this word. And because there is power, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it. When we walk and we go into Wegmans or to our places of work or wherever we go, it's the power, it's the recognition and understanding that I was a sinner and I needed Jesus to die for my sins and to be risen again and to be with the Heavenly Father so that I cannot be ashamed of the gospel. And I'll tell you what, it's easy to say that. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to live out. Because we go into places where there feels like there's a lot of persecution. And I don't want to hear about that or don't talk about that. Around here, I don't, you know, I don't get up where I go to work and I don't jump on my desk and I start preaching from the Romans road. I haven't done that yet. Now, if the Lord tells me to do it, I might do it. It might be a little awkward, but I might do it. If he says to do it, I would, Lord, help me to be obedient in that moment. But a lot of times, not being ashamed of the gospel is saying, you know what? Let me pray for you. You know what? Let me tell you my testimony. You know what? Let me share something with you that might help. You know what? Let me tell you what God did in my life, and he changed my life. It's beginning to be not ashamed of the power of God. The power of God that resonates. Every one of you has a testimony in here. I know it. I know a lot of your testimonies. And we're not ashamed of it because we see where we were going and now look where we are because of what God has done, not what we have done. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Anyone, everyone who believes has this opportunity to understand this power for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. So in that power, we're not ashamed of the gospel because there is power in the gospel, like we just said. But why is there power? Because the righteousness of God is revealed. The goodness of God is revealed. The saving grace of God is revealed. The healing power of God is revealed. The sanctification power of God is revealed. It's all those things that get revealed that truly are the life-transforming power that resonates in us to say, you know what, I couldn't do this on my own anyway. I'm a mess without Jesus. How many of you are a mess without Jesus? You don't have, if you don't raise your hands, you probably are on the inside, right? Because we're all a mess without Jesus. It's like I, we need him. We need him every day, all the time. It's that power of God that's revealed. And look at this, it says from faith to faith. And I looked at that, and to me what jumped out is from day to day. From hour to hour, from minute to minute, from second to second, in every one of our lives, from faith to faith. 
because as we're going to look at it in a moment, because faith is what? It's for today. Church, faith is for today. I need faith for today. I need hope for tomorrow, but I need faith for today. Because when I wake up, I don't know all the things that I'm going to face. I don't know all the challenges that are going to come my way. I don't know how many people are going to cut me off in traffic, and I'm going to want to say things and do things that I shouldn't say. We all need that faith for today. For every situation that comes up, that comes after us from the enemy. So look, faith for faith. As it is written, it says, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So we're going to look at what does it look like to live by faith. But I want to talk about that word just, just for a minute. What does it mean, just? Of course, it's one of the root words of justice. And when justice is performed, when there is something that was done wrong or inappropriately, there's a punishment that gets doled out. It's the justice department. They make rules and laws. But this justice that is out there, do you guys know that if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are justified through Christ? And it's like, we watch all these, well, we don't watch all these TV shows, but there's all these TV shows out there of courtrooms and courtroom dramas. And whenever I read this scripture, I just think of walking into a courtroom, and there's a judge there, and he has this list of all these things that I did wrong, that was off, that I sinned, and I did this, and I did that. And there's this list, and he looks at the list, And then right next to me is my good lawyer, Jesus. And Jesus takes a step forward and says, you know what? I paid the price for all of those. The justice of what should have happened to this man, Jason, I have paid the price for. He is now innocent. Case closed. And the gavel comes down. And it just gives me tingles on the inside to know that that's what just means. We are justified by Christ, by what he did. We talked about it at the communion, the price that he paid. So because of that justification, because of what he did, I want to live by faith. I want to live by faith. I want to know how to live by faith. I want to understand how to live by faith. So turn with me real quick to Habakkuk verses. Uh, chapter 2. And the reason why I want to go there just for a minute, I know we're in Romans, but when Paul is writing this letter to the Roman church, he's actually, he pulls this from an Old Testament scripture, the just shall live by faith. So I want to read it to you in the Old Testament, put it in some context, pull it back to what Paul was saying, and then we're going to talk about how to live by faith. So in chapter 2, starting in verse 2, then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because surely it will come, it will not tarry. Behold the proud, verse 4, His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. 
And so I was reading this, and I was just like, wait a second, what, what is the Lord trying to minister to us? This living faith, I believe, is tied to the vision that God gives us on the inside. God has given each of us a vision on the inside, and whether it's to be a mom or a dad or just to be a disciple maker, the Bible clearly lays out all these things he is calling us to go do, to go make disciples. You see, I always, you know, faith we always talk about is the opposite of fear, and there is a lot of truth to that. But check this out. In this verse, in verse 4, it says, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. To me, that is saying that pride is also an opposite of faith. You say, what are you talking about? Because we have to have faith in God. Sometimes I need faith just to get up. Sometimes I need faith to take another step forward. Sometimes I need faith just to do what is in front of me to go do for today. But in the, in the sense of pride, it's the opposite because it says, you know what, I can do this on my own. I can do this on my own. I don't need faith. I don't need God. I don't need anything else. It says, behold, the proud, his soul was not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. It's almost like we are rejecting pride in a lot of ways, saying, I trust in God, my faith is in him, I cannot do this on my own. So this faith is being linked both to this vision and this hope, being the opposite of this pride. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Think about that. The substance of things hoped for. And so to me, I see faith as being for today and hope as being for tomorrow. You know, Pastor Liz said something. This was a long time ago. You probably don't remember this. Maybe you do. We were going somewhere doing something, and she has these one-liners that are just very insightful and prophetic. And she said, faith is the currency of heaven. Let that sit in for a second. Faith is the currency of heaven. And what, do you, what is currency but in a way that we make exchanges? That we exchange for things. We pay for things in currency. And this faith as being the currency of heaven, to me was this revealed like, hey, if I have a bank account, I would like to have as much currency in there as possible. And so if faith is my currency... I want to put as much faith into my bank account as I can because I need faith for today. Because every time we go out somewhere, it feels like a transaction, a transaction, I go to the store. Transaction, I go to the gas gas tank. Big transaction, right? There's all these transactions we make during the day from a financial perspective. But you know you are making transactions from a faith perspective every day, all day long. You're making these transactions in your interactions with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with something that's going on in your life, when you look at your actual bank account, you're making a faith transaction with the Lord, saying, Lord, I trust in you on this. I trust in you on this. This currency of heaven. So my, this idea, this, this thought is this. As we live, you can write this down. We, I think we have it on the screen. We live by faith today, running toward God's vision for tomorrow. So we live, and we're going to get to talk about how to live by faith, but we live by faith today, running towards God's vision for tomorrow. Now, I have met people in a camp that have all the faith for today and no vision for tomorrow, and they are exhausted. They're exhausted. 
Because they keep expounding this faith over and over and over, but there's no hope for tomorrow. Then I know people who have all this hope for tomorrow and no faith for today, and they don't move anywhere. They don't get anywhere because they're always talking about the future. And they're not living in the day, in the today with the faith transaction. So for a Christian life, I believe this, to just by live by faith, we have to have both faith for today and a vision for tomorrow. And if you don't have a vision for tomorrow for your life, I encourage you to ask the Lord for one. He will show you a scripture. He will tell you something. He will show you something about a vision for tomorrow. So how do we live by faith? How do we live by faith? Number one is we have to build our faith. If faith is the currency and a transaction that we are going to use, how many of you know you got to build it up? You have to build it up. If you are going throughout your entire day knowing that you have to go to the grocery store, you have to go to the gas station, you have to go shopping for somebody's birthday, you know, Christmas is around the corner, whatever it is, you know that there are currency transactions that are going to be leaving your account. Do you know that all throughout the day there are faith transactions that you need to be purposeful in walking and living in faith every single moment of the day where you have those transactions? Which means if your bank account is empty of faith, you have nothing to draw on. You have nothing to draw on. So the most important thing to be able to live by faith is first of all, you have to build your faith. The Bible talks about how do we build our faith. It says, so then faith, Romans 10, 17, many of you know this verse. We build our faith by this. So when faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, by hearing and hearing the word of God, whenever, whenever that's written two times the same word, it's like pay attention. Pay attention. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. A couple of scriptures later, it talked about preaching the word of God. This is talking about that preaching. It's about getting into the word, learning the word, reading the word, listening to the word. You know what? One of the most faith-filled people I know is teaching a small group tonight, a life group tonight, Mr. Paul Luciano. And every time that I talk to that guy, he says this sentence in some kind of way. You know, I was just listening to Kenneth Copeland, or I was just listening to this guy, or I was just listening to that. This guy is built, you say, well, how does, how does this guy, Paul, have so much faith? Because he has built a bank account so big of faith that he is able to walk by faith, make those transactions by faith, and live by faith all throughout the day because he continues to have his currency and his bank account full. It's full. And you say, well, Paul's kind of retired. I don't have time to watch Kenneth Copeland all day. Okay, but you got time to get into the word. You got time to put something on in your car. You got time to read the scriptures. You've got time to build that faith component in your life. I'm telling you, you've got time. So, how do we do that? We can listen to messages. We can read the Bible out loud. We can listen to something. We can put the Bible app on while we're cutting the grass. Come on, guys and gals, if you cut grass, they got the, I got these fantastic headphones. They're big and they're black and they're for like working, but they're Bluetooth. They're like 70 bucks. Changed my life forever. One, I can't hear any of the kids crying and yelling at me. So they work very well on a Sunday morning. You know, put them on or the Apple AirPods, you know. They have, you know, the, the what's the mode where you can go silent on everybody? What's that? Noise cancellation, that's the word. You know, the kids are yelling and crying. I just, I hit the button. 
Jesus, speak to me. <laughs> right? But there are things we can do in our life if we're intentional about building our faith. So in order to live by faith, to transact by faith, the first thing we have to do is to build our faith. I'll tell you what, it's just a personal example of this one. Liz and I say this all the time. We will refuse to make a decision without first being in the word and worshiping or on a Sunday morning. Try to live your life like that for a little bit. Because what happens is, when is your faith highest and biggest? When you're in the presence of God, when you're reading the word, when you're in your time. So I don't want to make any decisions about life, any major decisions on life, when I'm not in that area of faith. Amen? You know, I don't, why would you want to do that? And so we, have, we say it all the time, you know what, let's wait for Sunday. Let's pray about during church. Let's hear what the Lord has to say to us, and then we'll make a decision. Living by faith, we have to build our faith. Number two, we have to pray in faith. We have to pray in faith. Isaiah 55 says this, and this is why we pray in faith. This is why when we pray, we pray God's word back to him. Amen? We say, Lord, this is what you say in your word. This is what you have for us. And so I know it will come to pass. And so I'm going to remind you, not that he forgot, but I'm going to remind you of the scripture verse and as it pertains to my life. Because it says this, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So when we pray in faith, we stand there and say, Lord, here's your scripture, here's your word, here's how it references in my life, Lord, I'm going to stand on this, and I'm going to believe in faith. Because faith is what? Nothing more than believing God is who he says he is, and will do what he says he will do. That's like my definition of faith. I made it up, maybe someone else made it up, but I feel like I did. It's believing that God is who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do. Well, how do I know who he says he is? And how do I know what he's going to do? It's right here. So to pray and to operate and to live by faith, I have to pray this. I have to understand this. And yes, we cry out. We cry out to the Lord. But church, I'm tired of my own personal prayers saying, Lord, if it's your will. How about we get to know what his will is and then pray that and stand and believe in faith on that word and say, this is the word I'm going to pray for. I don't have to say, if it be thy will, because Lord, I know your will. I understand your will. I've studied your will. I've got your will for this situation in my life and I'm going to stand on it and that's how I'm going to pray in faith. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Lord, it reminds me over and over, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. And we can get a hold of the promises of the Lord in the word for our lives and for our families and for our life. Does that mean that once you get a hold of that scripture and you just prayed and everything magically turns around and it's perfect? Everyone who's lived life more than a day says, that's correct. <laughs> But God is working in it. 
And so many times as he's the sovereign God and we don't always understand or get exactly why everything happens exactly the way it does, but we know that his promises are faithful and his promises come true. And so we stand and believe in faith as we pray. The next thing we do to live by faith is we walk in faith. So not only did you build your faith in the morning or in the evening, whenever you do your building of your faith time, maybe it's all day long, and you sat there and you did your time with the Lord and you prayed in faith, now it's time to get up off the couch and begin to walk. To live by faith, you have to walk. How did you get in here? You walked. You got to your car, you walked to your car. You walked out of your house, you got, you did, the, you actually walked. So to live, you have to walk, you have to move, you have to go, you have to do. So to live by faith, we have to walk in faith. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Come on, church. We walk by faith and not by sight. Pastor Jason, what are you talking about? We refuse to see the world's reality as your reality. That's not your reality. That's not even the real world. And do I understand that? No, I don't get it. This is what I'm actually seeing with my eyes. But to mean that the real and honest to goodness spiritual world is more real than the physical world, we are actually seeing with our own eyes, which means, guess what, guys? I got to live by faith. I got to live by faith. I got to walk by faith. Day in and day out, I have to walk by faith. Which means when something comes at you that gets in front of your eyes that does not align with this word of God, you have to say, "Mm, I see that with my own eyes, but guess what? I'm going to walk in faith right around that thing. I'm just going to put it off to the side. That medical report that doesn't line up with the word of God, I'm going to put that to the side. I'm going to continue to trust in the Lord. I'm going to continue to walk by my faith and not by what I see. That bank account doesn't have enough zeros in it to pay all your bills. Yeah, you can look at it for a moment, then you can shut that account. Log off for a few minutes and begin to walk in faith. I'm going to take one step in front of the other. Lord, this bill needs paid, and I'm trusting and believing that you will pay for it because your word says that it will be paid in Jesus' name. That you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. That we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. What are all the things? All the things you need to pay your bills. Now, if you went out and bought a Lamborghini and God didn't tell you to do so, and that's the bill you're having trouble with, you can talk to me. I feel like the Lord's telling you to give that to the pastor. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. But you understand, if you're walking in God's will, and you're seeking him in your finances, and you're trusting him and walking by faith, he is faithful and good to execute on his will. Amen? Next thing we have to do is we have to speak in faith. Come on, church. We have to speak in faith. Mark eleven twenty three says this, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, you didn't look at the mountain, you didn't ponder the mountain, and mountain being a challenge in your life, the enemy in your life, whatever it is that may have come at you in your life, it says you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. You literally speak it. You literally say it. You say, look, this this has to be removed from my life. 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, linked back to the last one about praying, believe that you receive them and you will have them. For me, this is like praying out loud at the mountain. A little, get your shout on. You can be in your own personal private time. You get a little shout on at the mountain that's, that's sitting in front of you that needs to move. And I think too often, you know what? The enemy can hear us. If the enemy is our true enemy, and it's not flesh and blood, why are we so quiet to speak to a mountain that's in front of us? I'd like to speak to that mountain. Say, I don't think so. Get out of the way. Say it out loud. Let the devil hear you. Whatever situation you're in, I believe there are several of you here today that need to begin to speak to that mountain and tell it to go in Jesus' name. I wrote down here in my notes a little of this, this, uh, this little saying that I have is, I'm working very hard to stop saying I don't know. Because I realize the more I say the phrase I don't know, the more actually I don't know. That's funny, right? It's like we're actually, I'm speaking into existence this thing like I don't know. And so, look, my goal is to say what? I may not know at the moment, but the Lord knows, and God knows, and he will reveal it to me, and he will show it to me, and so I'm going to speak to this, now I'm going to continue to move forward and speak in faith what God has in store, what God has planned, the vision God has for my life, the scriptures that pertain to me and to my walk and my Lord, and I'm going to continue to speak those. And I'm going to try to stop saying, I don't know. Because the Holy Spirit knows, and if the Holy Spirit knows, and the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me, guess what? Then I know, because my spirit knows, and I'm aligned with the Holy Spirit, so I don't actually have to ever say I don't know. I may not know at the moment. Like, we're trying to figure out if we go down to Pittsburgh to see Anna at the end of the month. I may not know at the moment, but I know that the Lord knows what it is. So I present that to him and say, Lord, I need your direction. I need your direction to know which way to go. Now, don't get, don't get all off and wonky on us here. Like, if you legit broke your arm and you're in a cast... And you're walking around a cast, like, oh, what happened to your arm? Be like, well, it's not broken. Uh, what, you know, really is happening, it's here. Okay. No, you can speak that there's an actual truth of a situation. Yes, your arm may be broken. Yes, my arm is broken. But God is healing my arm. God is working on mending my arm. God is working on this situation. This may be a fact over here, but I'm speaking in faith over here. It's two different things. We don't have to act like something's not happening, Right? This kind of gets silly sometimes. I wrote down in my notes, it says, don't fake it till you make it, but rather build your faith until you make it. Continue to build your faith until you have that faith to make it in these areas. Take inventory of your words, church. You want to know, as the Bible says, out of the overflow of the heart, your mouth speaks. So take a little inventory of your words throughout the day. Do one of those things, did I just say that? Right? And sometimes our kids repeat back to us certain things like, ooh, have I been saying that a lot? Because my kids are now saying it. How many of you have had that situation, right? 
You begin to say things, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I've, I've been saying that phrase. Or that sentence. So take inventory of your words, because if you want to speak in faith, and you want to declare faith in your life, you actually physically have to say it with your mouth. And that comes out of the overflow of the heart. Next one is we have to work in faith. We have to work in faith. James 2, verse 26 says this. As for the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So we literally have to, every day, we have to work in faith. We have to get up and say, you know what, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Working in faith means not giving up even when you want to. Parents out there, moms out there, been many times where you've wanted to give up. You want to say, I can't do this anymore. But working in faith is trusting that the Lord has put you in a position, he has put you in a place, he has put you in a situation where you are going to take one step in front of the other. How do we do it? We do what's right in front of us for that day. Remember, faith is for today, hope is for tomorrow. To work in faith is to say, Lord, this is what you have for me to do today, and if it's changing the diaper, or if it's cutting the grass, or if it's going to work, or if it's doing whatever it is, you have to take that step. It's called working in faith. Continuing on, not giving up. And then to work in faith is also to position yourself to receive the blessing. You can't be praying and speaking and declaring a job and never applying anywhere. I mean, you could. It's usually very unsuccessful. Right? We have to actually take a step of faith sometimes and say, you know what? I'm going to work in faith. I'm going to position myself to receive from the Lord. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do what God has for me to do right in front of me. And finally, the last one is, as we close, uh, Sid, you want to come back up? The last one to live by faith is that we then share our faith. In order to live our faith, we have to share our faith. And I've noticed the more that I share a testimony, and the more that I talk about God's goodness and faith in my life, the more it grows their own faith in my own heart for what God has already done in my life. And in order to share this faith, it goes back to verse 16, which we started for, with. It says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it's the just that live by faith. And that we have to not only just work in faith, but then we also go and we share our faith. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I encourage you this week to share what God has done for you. Share with others what God has healed in your life, positioned in your life done in your life. Just close our eyes and bow our heads here this morning. I mentioned several of these things of living by faith, whether it's building, praying, walking, speaking, working, or sharing. I encourage you to grab a hold of just one of them today. Just one or two of them. Say, Lord, I'm committing to do this more in my life. If I'm justified, if I've accepted Jesus Christ, and there's power in that salvation and gospel, then I'm choosing today to begin to live by faith.
to build my faith, to pray my faith, to walk my faith, to speak in faith, to work in faith, and to share it. The Lord's ministering to me which one it is for me. Actually, I have two. I'd encourage you this week just to seek the Lord on this as you continue to read in Romans. I just want to pray with you this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we are justified because of you. That we can live by faith for today because of you. So, Lord, we seek you in our lives. Father, strengthen us to build our faith, to pray it, to walk it, to speak it, to work it, to share it. Father, that this faith message, this faith living, would permeate every area of our life. And Father, I also pray for each person here that not only as they grow their faith for today, Lord, that you would give them a hope for tomorrow. That you would begin to reveal to them if they're in a season or a time where they just feel like, I don't know why I'm continuing on. That Lord, as they seek you with that question, that you would reveal to them the answer to it the reason, the purpose that they are here on this earth for such a time as this, for such a reason, Lord, that you would begin to birth in them a vision for the future. And Father, I just want to go back to what Sue said. Lord, I just, in my heart, I just continue to feel this, this name change that the Lord is wanting to do in some of our hearts. So Father, we just solidify that. We impart that today. That you are changing names because of the hearts that have been changed. So Father, we rest in that. We thank you that you are the name that is above every other name. And we trust in you today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we dismiss, we have some prayer teams that are coming up front here. They'll be able to pray with you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never made that decision, you feel like the Holy Spirit is on the inside, and you're just saying, oh my gosh, like I just feel like drawn to this. I need to understand this more. There's some prayer teams that will be up here. They'll be able to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything at all, whether it's healing, whether it's a relationship, come up here and these guys will pray with you. Let me read this benediction as, as we close out of Ephesians 3. That may, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen? Amen. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day.